Jeff Passan, when you were with us ahead of the wild card round of the playoffs, you mentioned how excited you were to get your first look at pitch clock postseason baseball. And now that we're here on the morning of the World Series, where would you rank the pitch clock among the exciting things we've seen this October? Like 50th? <laughs> You just, you don't notice it anymore. They're like, there have been next to no pitch clock violations and the games have gone, like even playoff games are going quicker now, Mm -hmm. which has been nice. But this has been in October, especially with the league championship series that has been full of excitement. We had kind of an okay wild card round. Things picked up a little in the division series, uh, but they went crazy in the league championship series. And it has given us quite an improbable World Series now. So after two Game 7s, there are two teams left standing, the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks, just like we, you know, all expected, right? We all predicted this. (laughs) How are you feeling right now? On one hand, I feel great about the matchup that we've got. I know that it's not the kind that you know, people around the country may necessarily be intrigued by, but as somebody who is a passionate baseball fan, I think it's a really good matchup uh, between two interesting teams that are peaking at absolutely the right time. On the other hand, my ego is bruised a little bit because I came on this podcast a month ago and made a bunch of absolutely predictions, (laughs) and they did not go well, let me tell you. And I was in the Diamondbacks clubhouse as they were celebrating winning the National League Championship Series. And a number of players came up to me and they were like, you never picked us. And I was like, yeah, against Milwaukee? Nope. Against the Dodgers? Nope. (laughs) Against the Phillies? Nope. And Geraldo Perdomo looked at me and he said, I hope you pick the Rangers. (laughs) Now, let's talk about when you were on a month ago. You were on with Tinsley a month ago, and you were talking about the Braves. I live in Atlanta. I was incredibly jealous because you had all these outcast references throughout the show. You talked about Spodioti, Dopalicious, and all that stuff. Now is our chance, man. We can do all the Arizona and Arlington rap references we want for this podcast episode. Where do we begin? What's what's the first one that comes to mind? (sighs) You know, what they lack in rappers... They make up for in tacos. And I'm looking very forward to going to Tacarbone and enjoying some tacos, whether it is asada, lengua, or any of the other wonderful varieties they have. If you're an Arizona rapper, meet Jeff at Tacarbone uh, anytime <laughs> in the next few days. Pass me your mixtape so we get familiar with you guys. The Fall Classic is upon us. And to call this World Series matchup a clash of underdogs is probably an understatement. Because the Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks had a combined 2% shot at winning the World Series when the season started. But here they both are. So today, Jeff Passan joins the show to explain how these two clubs got here and give us a look at what's to come. I'm David Dennis Jr. It's Friday, October 27th. This is ESPN Daily.
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Jeff, we're going to get into the specific World Series matchup in a bit. But coming into the season, we at ESPN gave the Rangers a 37% chance to make the playoffs and a 1.6% chance to win it all. The Diamondbacks had an 18% chance to make the playoffs and a 0.4 odds to hoist the trophy at the end. How do you even begin to analyze an MLB postseason that spits out this kind of series? I would say this is just baseball, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you have 12 teams now in the playoffs, uh, this sort of thing is bound to happen. But this sort of thing doesn't begin to explain just how unlikely this matchup is. Right. Uh, th- these are two teams that two years ago were absolute disasters. And the fact that not only have they turned it around as quickly as they have, but in the Rangers' case, they've gone to the cusp of their first championship in their 63 years of existence as a franchise. And the Diamondbacks, they're in the World Series for the first time since 2001. Um, I think you could go and look at every single pundit's predictions before the playoffs. I think you can go and look at every single algorithm that is in human existence and nobody, and I mean nobody, would have predicted this World Series happening. (laughs) And I, for one, love it because the randomness of baseball is the fundamental part of its beauty to me. The, The part of my job that I hate most is predictions because baseball is such an unpredictable sport. It's not like the NFL where you know if you have a great quarterback, you're probably going to go pretty far in the playoffs. It's not like the NBA where, you know, the Miami Heat getting as far as they did was like a legendary upset. If you look at the landscape of baseball, you can never count a team out if it has a lottery ticket in October. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the Rangers and Diamondbacks have done. They've cashed in their tickets. So yeah, let's start with that Rangers team. They're back in the World Series for the first time since coming within one strike twice of winning it all in 2011. The 1-1. Strike two. And now the Rangers are one strike away. Into right, well hit. Back at the wall. It's off the wall. Freeze has tied it. 7-7. They had an intense battle with their in-state division rival, Houston Astros, to claim the AL pennant. Break down the drama we watched in the ALCS. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> like, the the whole thing was just... You know, already, it's the first time that the two teams in Texas have faced off in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that underpinned this entire thing. The, the second part of it is they really hate each other.
Like, you don't find those rivalries that have a ton of bloodlust at baseball anymore. Mm -hmm. Even with the Yankees, the Red Sox right now, you know, they're not at the point in their rivalry where the players despise each other. And then you add game five, where Adelis Garcia hits a three-run go-ahead home run. Adelis Garcia drives the ball in the air to What a series-changing jolt from Adolis Garcia. Takes about 30 seconds to go around the bases. Gets drilled by Brian Abreu with 99-mile-per-hour fastball to the shoulder his next time up. After the bench is empty and there's a little fracas, Jose Altuve, the hero of heroes in Houston, comes to the plate and hits his own go-ahead three-round home run. And that was just game five. Right. And so the Astros go home with a three games to two lead in this series where the first five games had been won by the road team. And they proceed to lose game six. And then Texas absolutely destroys them 11 to four in game seven, where Adelis Garcia, one night after hitting a grand slam, comes back with two more home runs. Garcia starts the third and drives one the other way down the line. If it's fair, he's got another. He does. Adelis Garcia owning October, playing the villain role to perfection. And it's four to one. Drives in five runs, wins the MVP, uh, and and really puts a stamp on October in the way that guys who aren't anonymous necessarily, but who aren't stars, can turn themselves into them with just one great month. This is one of those series I think that we're going to look back on and really remember quite vividly because the drama, the intrigue, and the history, I, I think, speaks to all of the elements that make for a great series. So the other Cinderella team in this matchup were the Diamondbacks, right? They were the last team in on the National League side, but they didn't even lose a game until the NLCS. They found a way to overcome one of the biggest home field advantages in the sport. They took game six and seven in Philly, how did they go from looking totally overmatched to heading to the World Series? They started playing Diamondbacks baseball again. And what I mean by that is there is not much thump in their lineup. Like, they've hit some home runs this October, but they're not one of those teams that's going to outslug you on a daily basis. They preach the fundamentals. They preach defense. They preach base running. They preach strike throwing. They preach bunting. Like, for real. They still bunt, <laughs> and they practice bunt defense. It is old-school baseball. And old-school baseball has fallen out of favor in recent years. Mm -hmm. But I think the Diamondbacks understood that if they were trying to play for something else, like the three-run home run, uh, or play for strikeouts all the time on the mound— they would be belying their true nature. That's not what their skills lead them toward. Sometimes you got to understand what you are and what you aren't. 
And the Arizona Diamondbacks have a very firm understanding of what they are. And yet, over the first five games of the NLCS, we really hadn't seen a whole lot of that. Mm -hmm. the, the Diamondbacks had the second most stolen bases in MLB this season, and they had taken one bag over the first five games. And part of that was because JT Real Muto is about as good of a catch-and-throw catcher as there is in baseball. And another part of that is because the Phillies pitchers did a really good job of getting to the plate quickly and focusing on that running game. Well, Diamondbacks steal four bases in game six. They win it. Diamondbacks steal four bases in game seven. They win it. And I'm not saying that the stolen bases themselves were the things that led directly to those victories. What I am saying is that the Diamondbacks mentality changed back to we need to be who we are rather than focusing on what the Phillies are trying to do to prevent us from being that. So, Jeff, you kind of shortchanged yourself a little bit. You were talking about hanging out with the Diamondbacks. and They were giving you a hard time for your predictions. Here's some that you can send back to that locker room and let them know exactly you know, where you stood with them. Because I don't know if you remember this, but back at the beginning of the season, you told Emily Kaplan that the Diamondbacks were the team that stood to benefit the most from MLB's new rule changes. This is a team you need to keep an eye on, Emily. And this was the dark horse I had coming into the season for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I have a complete complete man crush on Corbin Carroll, <laughs> their young outfielder who 30 games into his career signed a $111 million contract that's going to cover almost a decade. He can hit for power. He's really good in the field, but he can run. Hey, Zach Gallen, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Here, okay. Let so, him know. So, Let him know. Qu quick, quick aside. Quick aside. In game five of the NLCS, the Diamondbacks were down four to one against the Phillies. And the fans at Chase Field started doing the wave. Now, there are things in life that I don't like. For some reason, I don't like bananas. Like, I wish I did. Okay. I, I just, you know, I don't like bananas. I don't like scary movies. I hate the wave. <laughs> I mean, I hate the wave with the fire of a trillion suns. And I especially hate the wave in the middle of a playoff game that could determine the rest of your season. And so I tweeted something to the effect of Diamondbacks fans are doing the wave. This series is over. And that was more <laughs> about the wave than it was the Diamondbacks themselves. I just thought that it was a karmic injustice to the baseball gods where they were going to smite the Diamondbacks because the Wave should not have any part of a, a regular season game, let alone a playoff game. And yet afterward, the Diamondbacks following game seven were all sort of pointing and like laughing at me. And Zach Allen comes up to me and he's like, you know I got to tweet something, right? And he said something to the effect of like, uh, oof, you should have listened to me yesterday. When <laughs> he told me after game six, you know, uh, your tweet may look dumb tomorrow. So I have liked the Diamondbacks for a long time because that brand of baseball 
that I was talking about. I, I am, as a longtime, lifelong baseball fan, I am so attracted to that style of baseball because it's what I grew up watching. Like, mm-hmm. the Diamondbacks play 1980s baseball, and it's beautiful when it's executed as exquisitely as they have been executing it. So you hear that, uh, Diamondbacks fans, if you want to karmically guarantee a World Series win and annoy the hell out of Jeff Passon, <laughs> you got to do the wave all World Series, uh, to, you know, kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> all right. After the break, Jeff breaks down the World Series matchup as Cinderella faces Cinderella. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, wonderful pistachios has got you covered. Grab wonderful pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Jeff. We've got to start this by taking a look at the ALCS MVP Adolis Garcia. Seems like he's been at the center of every dramatic moment for the Rangers this October. He had five bombs in the ALCS against Houston. Can he be stopped at this point? Yes, he has weaknesses. If you go and look at those ALCS numbers, he was awesome. Borderline unstoppable. But there's one number that stands out there, and it's a zero. Mm-hmm. And that's zero walks over the seven games. It's clear... And we saw this in game six, you know, after Brian Abreu had been suspended for throwing at Garcia as the fans in Houston were just booing him lustily every time he went to the plate, that he is willing to expand his swing well beyond the strike zone. And he struck out the first four times he was up the plate before hitting that absolute laser of a grand slam into left field at Minute Maid Park. So I think if you approach him correctly and don't make any mistakes, you can definitely take him down. But at the same time, we have to remember who Adelis Garcia is. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who is from Cuba, 
uh, played in Japan, came over with the St. Louis Cardinals, and in late 2019 was sold to the Rangers for like $75,000, 17 at-bats into his major league career. This is the same guy, too, who in February of 2021 got designated for assignment, taken off of the 40-man roster by the Texas Rangers and wound up re-signing a minor league deal with them. And since then has blossomed into this all-star caliber player who hit 39 home runs during the regular season and who has looked like the best player in the world this postseason. So uh, he's going to play a vital part of this World Series. I just don't know which way it's going to go whether it's going to be vital for the Rangers or vital for the Diamondbacks who figure out how to get him out. So Garcia sits in the middle of this Texas lineup that features guys like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. But I want to get into the group that's tasked with stopping them. The Diamondbacks pitchers who have been anchored by rookie Brandon fought this postseason. What have you seen him do so well and how will it play against the Rangers? You know, Brandon fought's a guy who really kind of came out of nowhere. Before the season, people in the Diamondbacks organization were really excited about Brandon Fott. They took him in the fifth round, fifth and final round of the 2020 draft. And almost instantaneously, when he got into the Diamondbacks organization, they realized that they had something good. And the fact that they have been able to go at these lineups with the strengths that they have and with an exceptional pitching plan and doing so with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, both of whom are all-star caliber pitchers and Brandon Fott, who threw five and two-thirds shutout innings in game three and then came back as a rookie in game seven and outdueled Ranger Suarez and held that Phillies lineup in check. The fact that he has been their number three starter when it's really been just Gallen and Kelly anchoring that rotation for most of the season has been a godsend for them. You know, in the first inning of Game 7, I had a feeling Brandon Fott was going to have a good night. And he ended up giving up two runs over four innings, which, you know, that's not a great start. But certainly against a lineup like that in the Phillies as a rookie in an elimination game, mm -hmm. it's pretty impressive. Um, that first inning against Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, and Bryce Harper, he got six swings and misses. He struck him out swinging. Fought starts the night by striking out Schwarber and Harper in the first. When you're getting whiffs like that, that means your stuff is good. And the best pitch that he throws is a sweeper. Swing and a miss. And Castellanos down on strikes. Another beautiful sweeper. I said, he's just got to stay sweeper heavy on that guy. It's a nasty, nasty pitch. And it's the sort of thing that uh, against a lineup like the Rangers has a chance to give them fits. Well, let's get back to the pitching on the Rangers side for a second because they're doing all this without Jacob deGrom, who's out for the year after undergoing Tommy John surgery in June. They also haven't gotten what they were hoping from Max Scherzer, who they got in that Mets fire sale earlier in the season. How did they pull this off with the arms that they can rely on? Uh, Nate Evaldi's a badass. Mm -hmm. Jordan Montgomery is awesome. And everyone else has held together enough. And, and that's the thing that I think we've learned in recent postseasons, right? You don't need a great rotation and a great bullpen to win a World Series. You need two starting pitchers. Like, at minimum, if you have two really good starting pitchers, 
think about it. They're going to start four games in any seven-game series. They've also got Dane Dunning with the Rangers, who's been superb. And yeah, Max Scherzer's going to play a big part of this. He is lined up to start game three. And that means he is also lined up to start game seven. And he's made only two starts since coming off the injured list during the ALCS. Neither of them has been particularly great, but uh, it was good enough in game seven to keep them in that game and allow their offense to do what it did, not just to Christian Javier, but to JP France and the rest of the brigade that Dusty Baker brought in futilely to try and stop this offense. So that Diamondbacks big, bad, bunting offense. Uh, they all, they've they got Cattell Marte, who won the NLCS MVP. Corbin Carroll, your man crush, who showed out in Game 7 the NLCS. How does this D-backs lineup figure into the series? Well, there have been players on the Diamondbacks this postseason who have more or less disappeared. And yet, they still find themselves here, which is kind of wild. Like, Cattell Marte especially has really carried them. I mean, he won an LCS MVP for a reason. You know, while Corbin Carroll was struggling uh, for the first six games of the series, while Christian Walker batting under 100, Evan Longoria batting just over 100, Cattell Marte was the guy who paced that offense. Deals at one That's into center field. It's down! At this point, you know, someone with the Diamondbacks said to me after game seven, we're playing with house money now. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to suggest that they don't want to win the World Series, that they're satisfied with, with just getting there. No, it's it's not that at all. What it means is, hey, um, we're on the ride of our lives right now. So why don't we just let it ride? All right, Jeff. You know, I cannot let you go without a prediction. And I know that both the Diamondbacks and the Rangers fans are waiting with bated breath, hoping you pick the other team. So who <laughs> is your who is your 2023 World Series champion? All right, we're going to do a little flashback here. On October 27th, 2011, I sent out a tweet at 9.56 p.m. The tweet read as this. Fine. I'll say it. Nine outs and the Texas Rangers are World Series champions for the first time. Now, in the annals of moves, <laughs> that has to be really high on the list mm -hmm. because October 27, 2011 happened to be the night of Game 6 of the World Series. And if you don't remember Game 6 of the World Series or you've never seen it in 2011, I urge you to go and watch the final... I, I was going to say it was nine outs, so it would be the final five innings now because that game went into extra innings. And as Joe Buck famously said after David Freeze planted a home run into center field at Bush Stadium... And then the Cardinals, of course, came back the next day 
behind Chris Carpenter, who was brilliant and beat the Rangers 6-2. And the Rangers still have not won a World Series. So I've been carrying around the guilt from that tweet (laughs) for a dozen years now. Game one of the 2023 World Series, David, is on October 27th. Oh. And I'm picking the Texas Rangers to win in seven games. Now, the Diamondbacks will surely rejoice when they hear this. And Uh perhaps I am doing this against my best instinct because I have gone back and forth on this series asking, you know, am I really going to pick a team that doesn't have a bullpen? And the answer in my head is yes, because they hit home runs and they hit a lot of home runs. When you look at the winning percentage of teams this postseason, when they out-homer their opponents, it's about 85%. And I'm not going to suggest that the Rangers are going to out-homer the Diamondbacks in every game. That's not necessarily true. But I think in the end, the combination of Nathan Avaldi and Jordan Montgomery starting four of the games with that home run power is going to be enough to push the Texas Rangers to their first championship in more than six decades of existence since they were the Washington Senators in 1961 before moving to Arlington, Texas in the early 1970s. You heard that, everybody. Diamondbacks, get your parade uh, routes planned out. (laughs) Jeff Passon has picked the Texas Rangers. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for breaking all this down. I'm going to go uh, eat some banana pudding and watch The Exorcist uh, tonight, uh, and which I'm sure, you know, if you'd like to join me in some two of your favorite things, I think, uh, you know, you're more than welcome. But and listen, as long as you don't do the wave, uh, <laughs> go be my guest. <laughs> I'm David Dennis Jr. This has been ESPN Daily. Our show is produced by Bruce Baldwin, Bradford Craig, Andrew Hahn, Alexander Hyacinth, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrook, Andres Soto, and Aaron Vale. We had additional help this week from Derek Volner. Special thanks to Andy Tennant and Jackson Agello. We'll talk to you on Monday.